Father, this morning we just come to you. The entrance of your word brings light. You are the light. For your word says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. You set my words alive and spirit. This morning, we have once again gathered for life. More than knowledge, more than wisdom, more than understanding, we have come for life. And you are the author of life. And your word is life. Speak to us. Impart to us your life even as we hear, O Lord. Pray that we'll have open ears, believing hearts, and the will to obey. Spirit of God, we just surrender ourselves into thy hands this hour. Speak, Lord. One speaker and all of us hearers. Thank you, Father. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 In the year 70 AD, General Titus, the general of the Roman army, marched into Jerusalem. Within a few weeks, months, Jerusalem was raised to the ground. And there was nothing left of the temple. Not a stone left upon stone, as Jesus had said. God had prophesied until the time of the Gentiles, Jerusalem would be trampled down by the Gentiles. In the year 1967, in the month of June, when the little young nation, new nation, the ancient nation of Israel, which was a new nation after 2,000 years, was surrounded by the Arab nations, outnumbered, like statistically speaking, 1 to 1,000, surrounded by hostile nations getting ready for war, in a preemptive attack, which is called the Six-Day War, Israel defeated by the hand of God, supernatural hand of God, all their enemies combined, they defeated all the nations that came against them, and after 2,000 years, they conquered Jerusalem. And 50 years later, last week, the President of the U.S. declared, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. 50 years, the Jubilee year. So the king of Jerusalem, the son of David, his time to come back is getting closer and closer and closer. So the greatest news of 2017 is finally one president after president after president used to wave that proclamation. Every six months they have to sign a waiver. They would not proclaim but one president finally arose and declared, we are shifting our capital to Jerusalem. That's David's city. So always there is what we call, if you are spiritually in tune with what's happening, there is excitement in the heavenlies. Because everybody knows 2018, things are getting closer and closer to the Lord's coming. So now as we prepare for Christmas, like, you know, we, we, those who are here and been here, 
we try to to take a middle path we definitely know almost every theologian will agree jesus was not born december 25th he definitely was not born on december 25th he was but born i i'm not a theologian that's pastor vijay okay i'm a preacher he's a theologian i believe uh, personally that he was born in sometime in october uh maybe in the second week of october because if you go by this year 5 to 11 was the feast of tabernacles and uh scripture actually uses that word he became flesh and tabernacled among us so approximately my date is he was born sometime in october when he was born there was no tree there was i know you like trees and the shepherds were in such a hurry they didn't been bring any gifts they didn't even give him a lamb because 40 days later when mary has to go to the temple mary and joseph and mary has to go to take their firstborn son they didn't have a lamb to give so they had to give two doves which was for the poorest of the poor so they didn't he didn't get any gift for his birthday he had to wait two years before he got his first gift so a lot of things connected with christmas has nothing to do with christmas but there is a day and he was born so as long as the day is still there and it is recognized we celebrate okay but for children christmas is always associated with gifts there was a boy who desperately wanted a watch for christmas and he made it a point to remind his father and mother every day as he saw christmas approaching his request used to increase i want a watch dad don't forget i want a watch mom don't forget christmas a watch a watch finally the dad told him if you mention that word watch once more you definitely will not get a watch the boy was quiet very quiet the whole day every night before dinner one family member had to memorize or repeat a verse from bible and that night was his and this is the scripture he memorized and what i say to you all i say to all watch So now that everybody is awake let's get into the message. The first Christmas was not at all like anything we see today. Absolutely definitely not. Now people don't want the Christmas season to finish. But poor Joseph must have been hoping it would be over fast and he must have been looking for a place where he could take his wife and newborn baby off that stable okay so the first christmas is got nothing to do with what we see on tv or generally around but that's the way god planned it for his son so in every christmas program nativity scenes and pageants 
drama, which is all good, has evangelistic tools, it's fine. We will see the characters. We will see Mary, we will see Joseph, we will see the manger, the shepherds, and uh, children, when they have to do it, bring excitement because they forget the roles. And you saw one on whatsoever, you had the shepherd and Mary fighting over the baby. So that's real. I mean, kids bring fun to to the nativity place, like the little boy who wanted to be Joseph, didn't get the role, became, had to be the innkeeper, so he was really mad. But when his time came and Joseph comes and knocks and asks him, is there any room? The innkeeper changes his lines and says, there is plenty of room, bring your wife back. <laughs> so kids bring fun and change the Christmas story around. But if you notice, I have in all my life, in every Christmas church I've been, program I have seen, you see the Magi or the wise men, you even see King Herod, all of them. But you never see the two characters in any Christmas play. The two characters who are actually watching and waiting, and to whom alone Christ actually is revealed who are watching and waiting, supernaturally relieved. You see, the believing church is not waiting for Christmas. The believing church is waiting for his second coming. Why did they miss him and reject him when he came the first time? See, when he came the first time, not only they missed it completely, they also rejected him when he declared to the Jewish nation, his own people, who he was. Why did they? Often it depends upon what our expectations are. The Jewish people were expecting a conquering king who would come and throw away the yoke of Rome. But the one who came was the suffering Messiah who would first break the yoke of sin. Therefore, he did not meet their expectations. Therefore, they rejected him. They did not recognize him. He was right in their midst. Their eyes were closed to the Messiah because their expectations were different. Like I said, we do not see with our eyes. We do not hear with our ears. We see and hear with our heart. That's why God says, out of the heart proceeds everything. Their expectations was completely different. So even though God came in the flesh and walked and lived in their midst, they didn't recognize it. Second time over, we could make the same mistake. Because every Christmas drama pageant, you see the manger, you see the little baby. And then on Good Friday, you see the suffering Messiah. But the one who is coming back is neither one of this. The one who is coming back is the all-conquering king who is coming back. So the one who is coming back is not a little baby in the manger or the one who hung on the cross. The one who is coming back is an all-conquering king. So don't make the mistake they made 
because we see and hear with according to our expectations. That's why the psalmist warns the world about his second coming. In Psalm 2, Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Why? Kiss the sun, lest he be angry. And you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. We use all these Christmas things as tools for evangelism. But the Jesus we worship, looking forward to, is the God of the Bible. The King who will come back. In his epistle to the Colossians, this is what Apostle Paul will say in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. Substance is Christ. These are all shadows. Old Testament had so many festivals which they were compelled or instructed under the law to keep. Three times a year, every male Jew over a certain age had to come to Jerusalem to celebrate. But scripture says even those things were all shadows. The substance is Christ. All of us know a shadow doesn't have substance. A shadow but represents a person. It has no substance but it has an outline. If there is no person, there is no shadow. If there was no Christ, there would be no Old Testament. If there is no Christ, there wouldn't have been any festival of the Jews. The festivals were shadow because there was a person. Okay, But the shadow has no substance. Question, doesn't matter how wonderful your shadow looks, can you hug your shadow? No. Can you have a relationship with your shadow? But you can have a relationship with the person who is casting the shadow. Remember that. Without that person, there would be no shadow. But the shadow points to the person. Okay? Let me read an article. Okay? Interesting article. I read recently about how Japan celebrates Christmas, which has become a major event over there. They put up decorations, exchange presents, send cards, sing Christmas songs, decorate trees, serve special seasonal treats, and make a big fuss over Saint Nick, Rudolph, and Frosty. This Santa is sometimes dressed like a samurai. It's a very, it's very important for single adults to have a date for a romantic dinner on Christmas Eve. And for reasons that cannot be determined, a big Christmas tradition is attending a concert of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. The one thing Japanese do not do at Christmas is honor Christ. That's because Japan is almost 99% Buddhist. A missionary to Japan was asked, if Christmas was Santa's birthday. 
So where do you think they got this commercial version of Christmas? It's written by a Western pastor from our North American practices. They're attracted to the glitter and romance of the Western version of Christmas. They adopted nearly everything except Christ. Same can happen to any one of us where we worship the shadow and forget the person. That was the trap the Jewish people fell into. They had the law, they had the prophets, and they had the prophecies. They had it all about his first coming. Everything was there. And their GPRS, God's positional satellite, precise location, even precise location in my card, 5-2, you, Bethlehem, Ephrata. Though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth me, the one to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. You ask any Jew, he would have told you, where is Jesus going to be born? Bethlehem. They knew it all. Everything they knew. Everyone knew the prophecies. They even knew the coordinates of exactly where he was going to be born. Everyone missed it by miles. Because they embraced the shadow and rejected the person. The apostles were very clear about it. The early church was very clear about it. They constantly embraced the person and pointed to the person. And they actually avoided the shadows. In Second Corinthians, everybody knows Second Corinthians 5.17. If any man is in Christ Jesus, the old is passed away and behold everything. But before that, there is another verse, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. The early church did not want to know Christ in the flesh. They never celebrated his birthday. They had no nativity scenes. They didn't sing any sings happy birthday. They didn't pass gifts around because they said we don't want to know him in the flesh. He is the everlasting father. From everlasting to everlasting he is. And we want to know him in the spirit. That's the substance. I'm not saying, therefore, go back home and take your trees off. I'm not saying any of those things. These are shadows. Don't worship the shadows. And don't get upset when we as a church don't worship the shadows. We use all these opportunities to point everyone to the substance. Don't take Christ out of Christmas. Otherwise, we'll get caught in the same trap the Jews made 2,000 years ago. Therefore, we see two characters in the Bible who were watching and waiting. To the shepherds, the birth was announced. The angels came and announced the birth to the shepherds. The wise men saw the star and traveled. The town of Bethlehem, or rather village, maybe hamlet of Bethlehem then, was silent and totally unaware of our Messiah. 
It's interesting, right? To the shepherds, it was announced. The Magi saw the stars and came. Bethlehem had no clue who was in her midst. And Mary had delivered. Few weeks had gone by. And the law works. The law is very clear. On the 41st day, if it's a boy, firstborn boy especially, she had to go to Jerusalem and offer her firstborn, consecrate the firstborn to the Lord. It's interesting, right? That is the first real consecration in Jewish history. The Lord being offered to the Lord. So they make their way to the temple. We don't know. Details are not given. We are only told that after 40 days, they go to the temple. Bible is interesting if you read it. Okay, that's, that's, that's why we say God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. The temple is crowded as usual. A lot of activity going on all in his name. Thousands of probably priests and Levites and pilgrims and all these people, maybe many other mothers and fathers with their newborn babies, they are all there. The Bible avoids every one of them. And just zeros on two characters. Just two. Two people whom we will not pick. But God always surprises us by the people he picks. Because that's the way always with the Holy Spirit. It always overlooks flesh. Always overlooks flesh. And looks for those who are in the Spirit. Titles and positions mean nothing to God or His Spirit. Knowledge and degrees mean nothing to God or His Spirit. And we see this constantly in Scripture. When Pharaoh has a dream and nobody can interpret, it has to be a Jewish slave, a Hebrew slave from the prison who has to be brought to interpret. Nobody. That's God's man. When God needs a king for Israel, it's a shepherd boy in the wilderness who has to be brought. When God needs a mother for his son, it's all overlooked. The spirit of God passes by every beauty parlor. Every fashionable young lady in Israel and picks up a poor peasant girl in Bethlehem or in Nazareth. When his birth has to be announced, everybody in Israel is ignored and a few poor shepherds are told. That's how God does. Understand the ways of God. Understand. All he looks for is the spirit. Even when his son's ministry has to be proclaimed. Has to be proclaimed. I love that words about John the Baptist going to proclaim Jesus. How that verse is given in the gospel according to Luke. I love it. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Ituria and the region of Triconus, Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, First, he gives them an entire list, saying these are all flesh. Big people, but all flesh. The word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. 
That's how God works. So, in the same manner, the word of God avoids the high priest, all the priests, and the Levites, everyone in the temple, and zeros on one person first. And in Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, and behold, simple introduction, there was a man. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and divine. There are a lot of just people who are not devout. A lot of devout people who are not just. But he was just and devout. What an introduction, right? Simple but very powerful introduction by God. There was a man in Jerusalem who was righteous, who was just. And he was devoted to God. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was Isn't that interesting? Spirit speaks to spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit was upon him. And he was waiting. There's one man in Jerusalem whom the Holy Spirit zeroed on. He was waiting. Everybody is waiting for something. Here. If you were to ask, what are you waiting for? Everybody will have something to say. In my list, this is what I am waiting for. The little boy was waiting for a watch. Okay. In Jerusalem, if you ask people, what are you waiting for? Many people were waiting for something. But he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Interesting, right? Consolation is a word that is associated with comfort. Consolation means comfort. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. A just, devout man who was waiting for the comfort of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Like I said, consolation or comfort is only for those who mourn. If you don't mourn, why do you need comfort? 30 years later, Jesus would proclaim on the Sermon in the Mount, he would say, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you, Simeon, because you are mourning. Trusting, right? The first person in the temple the Holy Spirit zeroes upon is a man who is mourning. He is waiting for the comfort of Israel. Now this, when Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, these are not those who mourn because of their circumstances. When Jesus begins his ministry, when he begins his ministry, Nazareth, you remember, he will open the scroll and read from the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah, he will say in 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This he does not read. It doesn't read about vengeance. To comfort all who mourn. Comfort all who mourn. And then, verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion. Those who mourn in Zion. 
Simeon is in Zion. And he's in the temple. And he's a man who's waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Old Testament Zion was Jerusalem. And the epicenter of Jerusalem for every Jew in his heart, it was the temple. But in the New Testament, are we people who mourn in Zion? Are we people who mourn? Or just set off crackers and balloons during Christmas season? Or are we people who mourn in Zion? During the first Christmas season, when the king comes to his temple, there is a man who mourns. What does scripture say? Let's go. Yes. You have, Hebrews 12 now turns to us. You have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. What's the real church called? It's called Zion. Your names are not registered on earth. It's registered in heaven. What is church in the new covenant? It is Zion. The scripture says, he comes to comfort those who mourn in Zion. Simeon was somebody who did not miss the first coming. He was right where he needed to be and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. God is asking, the church is Zion. Are we those who mourn? In Zion, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What is God trying to tell us here? In Ezekiel chapter 9, let's connect it, what God says. This is God telling Ezekiel and showing him the future. The Lord said to him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem. Go through the midst of Jerusalem. Put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. To the others he said in my hearing, go after him throughout the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare, nor have any pity. Is he the same God? God's spirit still moves through his Zion and puts a mark on everyone who is grieving over what's happening in the church and what's happening in the world. Spirit moves, he says, mark them, mark them, mark them, mark them, mark them who are mourning. Mark them who are mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I know it's Christmas season. I know we need to rejoice. But Christmas also has become the most commercialized festival in the world. Bigger than any Indian festival. Five years, six years back, statistics I know in America, hundred million dollars was spent on Christmas trees alone. Eight billion on shopping. Fifty million on wrappings. It's big business. The ones who celebrate Christmas are the traders. They laugh all the way to the bank. The question is, yes, we rejoice he came. Yet, I always told you the, 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 the dichotomy a believer is caught in. He has joy and peace of the Holy Ghost inside, yet he is a man or a woman who always grieves. 
Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his companion, but he was a man of sorrow, unacquainted with grief, knowing very well most or many will never make it. We preach the gospel knowing the very fact that many who hear will never be there. So we have the joy of salvation, yet the grief for the lost. That's why even at his greatest hour, greatest miracle, when he's going to raise up a man who's been dead for four days, he weeps because he knows many will not be part of the resurrection. So God says, are we like Simeon? He was righteous, he was devout, and he mourned. He mourned over Jerusalem. He mourned over the spiritual state of Israel because he was righteous and devout. Therefore, he received a personal revelation. In verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Personal revelation he received, which nobody in Jerusalem got. Nobody got that revelation except Simeon. To Simeon, God personally told, you know what? I see your heart. I see your grief for this nation and for its people. I will tell you one thing. You will not die until you have seen your Christ, my Christ. You will see the Messiah. So verse 21 says, on that appointed day, he must have been outside. See, we do not know how old this man is, whether he's young or old, we have no clue. Simeon is not mentioned. Anna's the next other person, age is very clearly mentioned. Jewish history, tradition says he was 112 years old. Okay, now we don't know. We don't know. This is a tradition says he was 112 years old. So here is a man, scripture says, so he came by the spirit into the temple because the spirit was upon him and the spirit had revealed something to him and now by the spirit though he was outside at the appointed time was brought there by the spirit into the temple because this God had decided you are not going to miss my son's coming because I have seen you. You are devout, you are just and you grieve over the very things I grieve for. And he's brought there by God on the appointed day. The little king, though he's a big king, in the flesh a little king, enters his temple in the arms of his mother and moved by the spirit, Simeon comes into the temple. The comforter and the one who sought consolation, they meet. And Simeon, who had grieved over the sins of Israel, was comforted. Was comforted. In verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Okay. You know, this, we've been looking over the weeks about eyes being opened. This is not the eyes of the flesh. It's only when our spiritual eyes are opened, we are able to recognize the Savior, the Messiah. What everybody missed he saw it very clearly. This is the Messiah. You think with the eyes of flesh, how would you recognize a 41-day-old baby as the savior of the world unless God opens your eyes? Opens your eyes. 
Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. According to your word. I can go in peace. Can go in peace. I see your solution to sin. I grieved over the sin of Israel. I grieved over the sins of this nation. But when I see, I see your solution. I see your solution. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. This salvation is not for Israel alone. I see something which Israel will never see. Your salvation is not for Israel alone. It is for everybody. Simon sees. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Israel gloried in many things. But Samyan sees what nobody saw. You know what the glory of Israel is? The glory of Israel is the Messiah. He is the glory of Israel. And that glory, the Gentiles will see. I see. I see your salvation, O Lord. I see your salvation. He is the glory of Israel. And he will be a light to us Gentiles. All of us are Gentiles. No Jew here, right? All Gentiles. Light. Simeon saw. Take a good look at Simeon. Take a good look at ourselves this Christmas season. A righteous, devout, grieving man was comforted. And the Messiah was revealed to him by the Spirit. Now the Spirit moves through the crowd. And zeros. Now we know very specifically an old woman. In verse 36 and 38... Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served the Lord with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. The next person. Okay. Her life is very simply described by God. Her entire life, let's go to verse 36, is described to us in terms of worship. This woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. If somebody were to just fast and pray, I wouldn't call them serving God. God looks at stuff differently, right? Three things. She served God. She never departed from the temple. All she did was to fast and pray. Scripture here says, once she got married, she was married for seven years. Those days, they married very early. Young girls, teenagers. For math's sake, I make it simple for you. Let us imagine she married at the age of 13. That means she was a widow at the age of 20. And now she's 84. She's a widow for 64 years. She's a woman. She's not a man. She's a woman. Therefore, she cannot enter into where the Levites can go or the priests can go. She's in the outer courts where there are quarters for these people. She's not even the holy place. 
she does not can go nowhere near into any of this thing she cannot do any duty that is for the levites or the priests yet scripture says she never departed from the temple and served god with fasting and prayer the lord does not allow her to do anything in the temple but she says the lord does not forbid me from fasting and prayer that's how i will serve my god and she did that for 64 years 64 years isn't that awesome fasting and prayer night and day and verse 38 will say in that instant coming in that instant the holy spirit moves her to why are we focusing on this is because eight times if i'm right in the book of revelation scripture will always say those who have ears let them hear what the holy spirit says because the second coming of jesus also is going to be spiritual and if our eyes and ears are not opened like they missed we will also miss but like simeon and anna were informed we will also be informed if we choose their lifestyle there is an coming in that instant she gave thanks to the lord and spoke to him to all those who looked for so she was also waiting and there were others in the temple also unknown number like you have an elijah and elijah thinks i am the only one god says no elijah you're sorry there are 7000 others whom you do not know but i know so we have two representatives simeon and anna but there were others too whom they knew they knew they knew others may not know but if you have lived in the temple for 64 years you know those who are playing religion and those who are seeking god and that dear old lady knew and they were all waiting looking for what simeon was looking forward to the consolation of israel anna was looking for the redemption of israel You need to realize if you read the whole of New Testament and as the only New Testament woman mentioned from the tribe tribe of Asher. I mean God has his elect everywhere. Asher may be an unknown little tribe but God has an elect there too. This is a woman who lived in the spirit of worship. Spirit of worship. Now don't take it and run with it and says i had i heard the word of the lord today tomorrow onwards i'm going to resign my job and going to give my life over to fasting and prayer that is not the message for you get married if your husband dies <laughs> then the lord says don't come and stay here they will kick you out okay because people take spiritual things in the flesh and run with it okay be very i have to give these warnings because in my ministry of the all these years in ministry have met lot of crazy people who did crazy things and told the spirit told them and it was a total mess in their lives okay so please don't take this and run with it be wise 
Be full of the word and be full of the spirit. Because remember, these two people were there in the temple all their life. That means they were saturated with the word of God. Therefore, the spirit could speak to them. Okay, A lot of people who say the spirit told them have no word in them at all. If they were to be asked, can you show me two scripture from where you can confirm the spirit spoke to them? Forget two, they don't even half a scripture, they don't have. Okay, so first be filled with the word so the spirit can direct you through the word. So here is Anna, who has given her life over to fasting and prayer. See, why I want to bring that here is because Christmas is always characterized by giving gifts. For children, or those who are childish, or children, or those who are childish, the joy is in a getting. And if they don't get the gift they wanted, their joy is instantaneously gone. Like last week we had for one of our homes, uh, the special needs home, we had the gifts and the kids were all jumping. They were waiting for their gifts. Kids love gifts. But that's understandable because children are children. That's why they like receiving gifts. But maturity is not in receiving. Maturity is in giving. Scripture says God so loved the world, he gave. He gave. There is more joy in actually giving than in receiving. Than in receiving. More joy. Be mature. Be mature. Because sometimes people are grumpy, grumble, nobody gave me a gift. The fact of the matter for me is very simple in my life. Simple principle which I work on. I've received the best gift in my life. That is Jesus Christ. Now I don't receive anything else. It makes no difference. You cannot outbeat that gift. The gift of life. The gift of his son. God so loved the world. He gave. No, Roshan and Tabitha are here. The next, this 2017 was wonderful. Lots of babies came and I'm praying 2018 will be better. Because I love babies coming and let them come. Okay? This is also a word, not prophecy for those parents whose children have grown a little. It's time to have the next one. Okay? Bring the babies. Okay? This week or next week, Tavita will have her baby. And they will all say, look, this is our baby. This is our baby. But God's baby is different. Scripture says, unto us. A child is given. Unto us, a son is born. That's the only child which was birthed as a gift to others. The only child. The only child. Every parent from that time will hold on. My baby, my baby, my baby. Here is God births his own son and says, take my son. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Rumor. Maturity is in giving. This dear lady Anna had given herself as a gift to God and to the people maybe for 60 plus years in fasting and prayer. The Lord did not allow her to do anything within the temple. But she decided I am not going to depart the temple. And I am going to give myself over in fasting and prayer. Scripture says, 
she too came in that instant to that little baby. So two people did not miss their appointment with the Messiah. Reason? If you look at them both, they were dead in the flesh. Because they dwelt in the temple. They dwelt in the temple. You all know, you're all theologians by now. You know scripture very well because you've heard it over and over again. But let's hear it again. John the Baptist at the age of 30, Jesus comes, gets baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. John points Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Two of John's disciples starts following Jesus. Jesus stops and asks them his first question in the Gospel according to John. What do you seek? What do you seek? Their answer, where do you stay? Where do you stay? He loves that answer. A lot of people are visitors in God's kingdom. They come and they go. They come and they go. God is looking for people who will stay. Who will abide. Where do you stay? And he said, come and see. Come and see. Scripture says they dwelt with him that day. The next day one of them goes and says, come and see. He is the Messiah. Only those who have dwelt with Christ, dwelt in his house, have a message to go and say, I met the Messiah. Come and see. Don't be a visitor in God's house. Don't be a visitor in God's kingdom. Scripture says, if you abide in my word, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, truly you are my disciples. Continue, abide. These two, dear ones, they dwelt in the temple. An Old Testament temple, a shadow. They chose to dwell in the shadows. And we have been given the substance. We have the substance. They had the shadow, yet they chose to dwell in the shadows. Therefore, the person revealed himself when he came. Simeon and Anna are ones who represent those who mourn over their sin and the sinful world. Anna waits and longs for the one who would redeem his people from their sin. Israel, they all knew their history. Israel had paid a price for their rebellion against God, for sinning against the living God. Literally, in modern day language, they had paid double. Double they had paid. Now the comforter and the redeemer had come. 600 years ago, this was what was prophesied to Israel in Isaiah 40. Comfort Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. He said, you got double. You are my son. You are my firstborn Israel. You sin. I am going to spank you black and blue. Double for your sins. But now, Comfort. Yes, comfort. We all know verse 3. What's the next verse? The voice of the one crying in the wilderness. 
prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for the Lord. Did you see? Comfort. The next is the gospel that is going to be preached by John proclaiming the comforter is here. So the question is, what is our response? What is our response? What is our response? What is our response this morning? Because Christmas has become boring. Another week, 10 days from now, most of us, not me, most of the young parents will start taking off the decorations to be put away up on the loft. Christmas and Christ has become very familiar. Very familiar. That's a problem. You know when Simeon and Anna spoke to Joseph and Mary about the little baby they were holding. Scripture says in verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled. Marveled. They wondered. One thing I want to tell you this morning is don't lose the wonder of Christ. He's the light of the world and the glory of Israel. Don't lose. And the danger you have, the danger you have is that you lose the wonder because you're getting very familiar with scripture. It's good to be familiar with scripture. Don't get familiar with the God of scripture. God of scripture. See, when I go to these places, there are people whom I know from 20 years, 25 years back who know me. They, they take my Bible and look at it. They look at it. It's coming apart in pieces. They look at it. Okay. Stuck with glue at many places. They look at it and say, it's still the same Bible, sir. I said, yes, it's still the same Bible. Neither my Bible nor my God changes. Still the same Bible. Still the same. Okay. It's good to be familiar with the Bible. Don't lose the wonder of Christ. Don't lose the wonder of Christ because He is the light of the world and the glory of Israel. Glory of Israel. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, scripture talks about when He came in the flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. You want to see the glory of Jesus in his first coming? Our eyes really have to be open. If we don't value these two most in our life, we will miss his glory. We'll miss his glory. Everybody missed his glory because their eyes were blinded to the grace of God and to the truth of God. But those whose eyes were open to this, the grace of God and the truth of God, even this Samaritan woman, when her eyes were open, she said, wow, this is the Messiah. The glory of God. Don't get fooled by the trappings of the flesh. The glory of God in his first coming is revealed in grace and in truth. He was full of grace and full of truth. Because people get trapped with power. 
and miracles and signs and wonders. And the crowds followed Jesus because they saw that, but they missed his real glory. And when he started preaching the truth, the word of God, the truth gets tougher and tougher and tougher. Scripture says even his disciples left. They left. Because they couldn't fathom his glory. They couldn't understand his glory. And often Christians too miss out on the glory of God. And therefore, we don't marvel anymore in Christ, in his word, or even in his church. We don't. Simeon holding that little baby and prophesying over that baby. Joseph and Mary is looking at him and at the baby saying, this baby is talking about this baby. This baby. This baby. You know, angels in heaven whom we cannot see, look at people sitting here in wonder and amazement and saying, you know what? Many of them could rule over us one day. These are kings and queens sitting. We will have to serve them one day. They look with wonder at us. But we have lost wonder for Christ and for his body and for his church. Because our eyes are closed by flesh. They marvel. They won't lose that marvel. The hymn writer, which of course will sing hymns better. Like I said, I grew up with no Christian tradition, therefore no songs. Oh Lord my God, where I awesome wonder. We look at the stars, the heavens and all these things. But what does the next verse say? When I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die. That's the wonder. That's the wonder of Christmas. Boy, Lord. You actually sent your son in this flesh to die? Every parent sitting here looks at their son, their daughter and rejoices in that life. But God alone sent his son to die. See, we have lost the wonder of Christmas. The wonder of God's love. Even the wonder of salvation. Don't lose that wonder. Don't lose that wonder. They marveled. We should also every time have that sense of wonder. That when I hold my Bible in the morning, it should be a sense of wonder. You know what? This is His Word. This is His Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. This is His Word. And you know what? When he opens something for you and me, he said, Lord, Abraham longed to see this. Moses longed to see this. Elijah longed to see this. Elisha longed to see this. They didn't see. We see. They didn't see. We see. What was hidden to them is open to us. Therefore, wonder. Don't lose your amazement with God. Don't lose. Marvel. 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 Second thing, if you don't lose your sense of wonder, it will start showing in your life. In verse 27, so he came by the Spirit into that temple. He moved. 
He moved. In verse 38. And coming in that instant, she moved. There is always an onward spiritual movement in the lives of people who have not lost their wonder. Often people are moved, but by anger, by bitterness, by jealousy, by covetousness. Simon and Anna were moved by the Spirit. Mary was moved. The first statement we hear when she hears this incredible state about Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. She was moved. Wonder. I do not know how this is possible, but let it be unto me according to your word. And scripture says, you know it very well by now. Scripture says she packed up and she moved. She had to go meet the other woman who had a similar experience. She went to see Elizabeth. In Matthew 1, 24, scripture says, Joseph being aroused from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him to his wife. He also moved. You heard? Wonder of it all. Lord, are you really serious? The wife of mine to whom I am betrothed is carrying your baby and you have chosen me to be the father of your son. I cannot sit still. I need to move. Luke chapter 2, 15, scripture says, When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. They couldn't stand still. You got a news like that. How can you sit still? They said, Let's move. They left their sheep there in the wilderness and they also moved. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 scripture says, Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born, the king of Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. They too moved. You cannot have a revelation of the living God, moved by wonder and be still. You have to move. It's demanded of every one of us. Move. When the Spirit moves you, move. Do not procrastinate. Do not miss your miracle. Do not miss your miracle. Move. Because marvel doesn't make you an armchair critic. It brings Movement in your life. And you will see all of the moved. Even the Magi. And what is special about their movement? Every one of these people who moved, you will see there is sacrifice involved. Joseph sacrificed. Mary sacrificed. The Magi or the wise men, how many weeks, months they traveled. The shepherds, everybody, to move with God, it will always cost you. But unless you're moved with wonder, you will not move with God. In a little African town, there was a teacher from the West, and she had a little African student. So Christmas time, uh, she said, we give gifts out. So she had wrapped all her gifts one of her little boys brought her a seashell. It's a beautiful seashell. She looked at it and said, little one, where did you get this seashell from? I know you don't get it here. She said, 
and I bought it from the seashore. She said, but that's a long way off. And in his broken English, he said, Madam, long walk, part of the gift. Long walk is part of the gift. You know, where there is no sacrifice, there is really no giving. There's really no giving. You know, when God did not hold back his best from us, from us, we need to ask ourselves this season, what have we held back from him? What did we give him? What did we give him? So we will see. There is amazement. There is movement. And then there is a message. We have a message. Many of you don't have a message because you don't move. Don't have move. When I ministered to those dear servants of God for three days, I told them, you know what? This is all I have for you today. That would be four hours or six hours a day. Five lines. I said, these five lines God gave me this morning. But to give these five lines, it cost me 25 years. What have you given him in return? Each one, according to your calling. What has it cost you? What did it cost him? Therefore, you have a message. They spoke of him to those who looked for. She had a message. To all those who are waiting for the redemption of Israel, Anna had a message because she was amazed. The wonder of this baby. And she had moved and had a message. Simeon had a message. A prophetic message to the parents, Joseph and Mary. The message is not easy. It is not Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. No, it is not. What is the message? Because no one can remain neutral about Jesus. Nobody can remain neutral about Jesus. You are either for him or against him. You are either moving closer to him or you're moving away from him. There's no neutral position in the spiritual realm. Those who are not sliding towards him is sliding back. Be very sure. Don't think you're stationary. Nobody is stationary. But to those who receive him, there is this incredible promise Simeon received. Everyone can receive. Everyone can receive. You see, all of us sitting here, unless the Lord comes during our lifetime, one thing is guaranteed. Like in England, in America, they say two things are guaranteed in life. One is death and one is taxes. <laughs> but if your income is below three lakhs, you can even avoid taxes. But you cannot avoid that death. There's no way anybody can avoid death. Death is guaranteed for everyone born. It is appointed unto everyone to die once. Everyone will depart from life one day. Death is strangely everyone's destiny. But the question is, how will we depart? Only some, if you look at the whole total, 
Only God knows I am using maybe some, maybe many, maybe more, I don't know. Only some will depart in peace. In the promise given in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, one of his name is Prince of Peace. That's why there is no peace in the world. You can have UN, you can have League of Nations, you can have all the discussion, there is no peace. It's no peace. Because if you reject the Prince of Peace, you cannot have peace. There's no peace. The peace we need to depart in peace is peace with God. It's possible only one way. Romans 5.1, scripture says, Romans, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's only one way. You want peace with God? You need to be justified. You need to be justified. It is only through Jesus Christ. It is not by works. It is by faith and faith alone in his complete work. We have peace with God. Therefore in Luke chapter 2 verse 29. What did he say? Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. That's what everybody needs. Like I said, departure is guaranteed. Everybody will depart one day. But how will you depart? How will we depart? But the first messages of Christmas, 40 days into his birth, is an old man who looks into the eyes of his baby says, Lord, you're letting me depart in peace according to your word. That was the hope of one of the most righteous men in the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job. In the midst of fiery trial, where he had lost everything and everybody except his wife. Head to toe in sickness. His hope, his cry is this. For I know that my Redeemer lives. He shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. This is the oldest book in the Bible. Job is one of the most righteous men in the Bible. And his heart's cry is also, you know what? I want to depart in peace. Before I depart, anything happens, I want to see your salvation. My eyes, I shall see for myself. I shall see for myself. At the end of his trials, in Job 42 and verse 5, this is what Job says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes sees you. It's a difference of hearing of the ear and seeing of eyes. When you have only heard about it with the hearing of the ear, you are still not confident. You are forever trying to still earn God's approval. Once your eyes are open and you have seen, you are secure in Him. You know, it's a done deal because my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. That's what Simeon will say. Let your servant depart in peace. 
Let your servant depart. Why? Verse 30. Look to, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That is a hope for those who wait. That's a hope for those who wait. Our eyes, spiritual eyes have been opened to our reality for our salvation that is in Jesus Christ. Therefore there is no fear. Because that fear, peace is real. It is tangible. It is tangible. You know, scripture says faith is the substance. It's the substance. Substance. Now we know shadow and substance, right? Faith has substance. Meaning you can sense it in your spirit. Everything in God's kingdom is tangible in the spirit. It's a peace you can experience. That peace is what Christmas brings. That's the hope for those who wait. The Simeon says, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. This is what? For eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. You can dismiss me now. Let your servant go in peace. And this is the peace which God guarantees all his servants every day of his life. His children. You don't have to fear that. Because Christ came. So this Christmas Eve, question we ask is, what are we waiting for? Simeon knew what he was waiting for, for the consolation of Israel. Anna knew what she was waiting for, for the redemption of Israel. And they both had a message to those who had similar hope. What are we waiting for? In Hebrews 9 and verse 28, those of us who are caught between the first and the second coming, Scripture says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin. For salvation. Apart from sin. He says, you too, like Simeon, deal with this. Be just. Be devout. Be wait. But you are waiting for the salvation of your body. Are we waiting for this? Like I said in the beginning when I began and as I close now, everyone waits according to their expectation. This morning just I had, I got early and I was suddenly listening to one of my favorite writers from my teens, those days, not teens, my twenties was one of my favorite write, uh, pastors whom I used to read was Chuck Swindle. Uh, now he's on YouTube, old, very old pastor. He was talking about when he was a small boy, uh, eight, nine years old, <clears throat> he said, typical American boy, he said, I so badly wanted a basketball for Christmas. And there was a hoop which his father had put. So he kept on telling his father and mother, basketball, basketball, don't forget my basketball, my basketball, basketball, basketball. Then he said, Christmas was getting close. The gifts were all there. And he looked at the box. The box looked big enough. And he was so happy. And he took the box and he kept on moving it. It moved also like a ball. He was saying, I got my ball waiting for Christmas Eve. Because he's waiting to open the pack. He get his box and go out and start dribbling. He says, when the permission was given to open the box, he tore the wrappings as every child does and opened the box 
and he opened the box and he said, inside was a globe. <laughs> he asked this question, have you ever seen a little boy playing basketball with a globe? And he said, in a way which only mothers can. His mother said, son, this is our gift for you. And I also have a promise for you to go according to the gift. And she said, this is my prayer and gift for you, my son. Proverbs 18 and verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. He said, my mother gave me the globe of the world and prayed this for her son when he was eight or nine. And today he's known around the world as a pastor to pastors. What are your expectations? It's Christmas Eve. Because if we keep our eyes on the temporal, we often miss the eternal. We keep our eyes on the flesh, we miss the spiritual. The Jewish nation missed completely because their eyes were all on the flesh. We want a king. He will overthrow Caesar. Give us back the kingdom of Israel. Even the disciples. And when you become king, Jesus, I want to be on the right. He, my brother, on the left. Even the last 40 days while he was still with them after the resurrection, they kept on asking him, when will you restore the kingdom? He said, that's not for you to know. Pentecost changed everything. Pentecost changed everything. And you need to understand what of Pentecost changed everything. It was not the baptism of the Holy Spirit that changed everything. Because people in the Old Testament too were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Including John. It was a baptism of fire that destroyed their flesh so they could see in the Spirit and realize, wow, this is what the kingdom of God is about. Seven days to next year. The promise we received at the beginning of the year, Lord, I want an overflow of your Spirit. And I would ask you fast along and ask God, my flesh is too strong. I still love the way honest with God. What I like about my other meetings outside this church is when I ask them, do you love the world? Some of them will put up their hand and say, I love the world. <laughs> Go before God and put up your hand and say, Lord, you know what? I love the world. But I give you permission to destroy it. I give you permission to destroy it. Let your fire fall. Destroy my flesh, Lord. And I don't love. Because otherwise the danger is it was okay to miss his first coming. You had the apostles following with the gospel. It's incredibly dangerous to miss his second coming. Because what is left is the tribulation. Many will come through tribulation having washed their robes in blood. Because there's only one solution left for those who believe after the church is taken, it is martyrdom. Nothing else. Like I said, it's okay to miss the first coming.
is not okay to miss the second coming. That's why he said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Ask the seven days. Join us in the fast. Eat well tomorrow. Maybe eat for seven days tomorrow. But after that, take the walk with God very seriously. Very seriously. He's given us an incredible promise for next year. I haven't told anybody, not even Pastor Vijay or my wife. Nobody knows. He's given us an incredible, it's all incredible only if you love the Lord and you're waiting for Him. Otherwise it's just another promise forgotten. No. His promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It's an incredible God. So what I tell you, I tell everyone. Watch. I wonder, Peter, 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 will you come? Peter, worship him, come. Come, worship him, come. We have 30 minutes. That means we'll use 10 minutes to pray. Because next Sunday when we meet is the final Sunday for this year. Let's worship the Lord for five minutes before we close in prayer. Our eyes too must see his salvation. So we can walk in peace and one day depart in peace. Not in pieces. So many pieces, people depart in pieces because they fought with everybody and made no peace with anybody. That's not a way to go. Way to go. Go in peace. Doesn't matter what others do to you. Learn from the master. Didn't matter what others said or did. That day when he had to depart, he decided to go in peace. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. They don't know. He departed in peace. Absolute peace into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit in peace. Which song, Peter, are you giving us? Can we have this hymn, O Lord my God? Yeah? Because let's stand. Let's adore this king. Let's marvel at this God who became flesh and dwelt in our midst. When he left, he didn't leave us orphans. He left his spirit in us. That's why he's Emmanuel. God with us. Oh Lord my God When I am awesome Savior God to me, how great.
the angels sinned, you did not send your son for them. What are we, Lord? When we sinned, when we fell, you sent your son so that we could all become your sons and daughters. Now you have made us a little lower than the angels. But scripture says, one day, as sons and daughters, we will judge angels. Who are we, Lord? Help us not to lose the wonder of you coming into our midst like one of us. I pray our hearts will be moved. The Spirit will be upon us. Even though it's in us already, your Spirit will also be upon us. That we will have a message to speak to those who are grieving and waiting for the consolation of Zion. 
for those who are within the church grieving those who are outside waiting for redemption to both i pray we will have a message because of the christ in us i pray lord will never ever lose their wonder will always marvel the gift of your son now and forever their wonder will never cease this morning i commit the church here into thy hands all the dear ones who are away all our churches here in india around the world thank you for every church thank you for every servant of yours those who went away to be with the lord who you you allowed to depart in peace and for those who are standing there commit everyone into the hands and i pray the next 7 days so all our churches join in the fast pray you will speak to us the anointing is fresh this year we sought for an overflow of the spirit and we seek for more we seek that fire that will consume this flesh that flesh that blocks our eyes from seeing our salvation that we truly would be able to say like job my ears had heard about you now my eyes have seen you pray there will be an opening of eyes in the body of Christ that there would be a stirring of within that we would go forth into this coming year with even more zeal that there would be people who would arise within the body of Christ with the determination of Anna to give their lives over to you in fasting in prayer in preaching in serving in whichever capacity you call us in schools in colleges in offices wherever you have placed us to give our lives over to serving you lord because you are that gift in us that never stops giving the more we give the more you give us your son for your word it is written for he gives his spirit without measure thank you father touch your people at their point of need heal those who are infirm in their body touch those who seek a touch in their minds in their soul for you came to set the captives free And I pray father this morning captives will be set free. For your word says for this purpose the son of man came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Be set free in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Be set free in Jesus name. Pray there would be opening of ears to hear your word for it is written for this purpose I came that I may teach the word 
And I pray the anointing will be upon your children, Lord. That the anointing will teach them when they sit with the word. For this purpose you came to teach us how to walk in the word. And I pray your spirit will create that hunger for the lost in our offices, in our schools, in our colleges, in our households. A hunger for those who are lost. For your word says, for this purpose I came to seek to save the lost. I pray no one here will miss the true message of Christmas. The reason you came. We are now in you, hidden in you. Your purpose is our purpose. For we are one with you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Speak a peace into every heart, every home. May the peace of God guard every heart, garrison every heart. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Now we, by choice, we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.